Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 23rd episode. In this episode, you will hear from two guests, Anthony Miller and Mike Mitchell. Both are contributors to XFLboard.com, and both are very much in tune with the current state of the XFL. It is XFL Eve, the day before XFL 2020 kicks off, and I'm going to ask Anthony and Mike to make some predictions. It should be fun, right? Let's get started. Hello, I'm here with Anthony Miller and Mike Mitchell, two of XFL Board's team reporters. Now, you all know Anthony Miller. Uh, He's been on this podcast before. He's a football fan and one of our reporters for the Dallas Renegades. And as a former morning sports anchor and former TV news reporter, Anthony has a passion for all things sports. And I'd also like to welcome Mike Mitchell to the podcast. Mike is a writer and a sports analyst. Many of you know Mike for his insightful articles about the XFL on XFL Board and XFL News Hub and as one of the team reporters here for the New York Guardians. Welcome, Anthony and Mike. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me on. Now it's XFL Eve, and the day before XFL 2020 kicks off, and I have to tell you, I'm pretty proud of myself because I invented that hashtag just earlier on Twitter, XFL Eve. It's been a while that we've been waiting for the XFL. Now, how long a road has this been, Anthony? Well, this started what Vince McMahon made the announcement in January of 2018. So we've been literally waiting just a little over two years for this. It kind of feels like it's been longer than that since he's made that announcement. It feels like it's forever ago. But I got to be honest, it's insane that we are literally just one day away from Seattle and D.C. kicking us off. So it's it's crazy to think about that. Yeah, it's, it's rather unbelievable. It's like it doesn't seem real yet. And here we are. So, um. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, like Anthony mentioned there, it's been it's been a two year ride that's felt longer. And I think it's a good thing that they they took two years and took the time to get to this point. And now it's just about kickoff in the game. So this is going to be this is very exciting for a lot of people. A lot of people's uh, dreams are becoming a reality on Saturday and Sunday. And I think part of that group is the fans and the people who've been following the league for two years uh, loyally that um, they're just very excited to see this all come to fruition. Yeah, there's so much excitement right now uh, between people, fans, and the teams in the league, and uh, and I'm sure the players too, because they're getting ready to play their first game of this new league. Now, so many announcements have occurred in the last few days uh, by the XFL and the the broadcast media. Now, what are some of the some of the announcements that XFL fans may have missed, Mike? Well, just recently, earlier today, well, actually a couple of days ago, Sports Business Daily released a, an announcement that the uh, Gatorade uh, through Pepsi and Anheuser-Busch have both signed sponsorship deals with the XFL. Um, today, the XFL released FanDuel, that FanDuel would be one of their fantasy partners there. And of course, DraftKings is also on board with the DF- DFS format. Um, and I think there's going to be several other uh, announcements as we go along, each individually by the teams in terms of sponsors they're working with and the league itself. Um, there's supposed to be um, a tie-in with ESPN as far as a format they call Streak for the Cash, which is kind of like um, making prop bets. So um, that hasn't been announced officially. And even the league itself has been so busy this week with announcements and everything else that they haven't even gotten around to 
releasing press releases on every little thing. And as I mentioned, the, the whole Gatorade and, um, and Anheuser-Busch tie-in is a huge thing for the league in terms of credibility. You'll see Gatorade on the sidelines and all that. And then obviously you'll see Anheuser-Busch, which is the main sponsor at a lot of the venues where the XFL teams play. So, and um, the Dallas Renegades are going to have a tie-in there as well. Um, and I think it's through their brand, um, which is escaping me at the moment. I think Budweiser select their new seltzer brand. That's going to be like one of the main sponsors there. So that's kind of boring business stuff, but because uh, we're all looking forward to the football aspect. But uh, them getting sponsors on board is very important for the, the viability of the league and credibility. I, I would say some of the big things that came out this week is definitely the XFL app. I thought having that come out Monday and t- or Tuesday was a uh, I think huge for the league. I know a lot of people have been asking to see that app. So for them to to release that was awesome. I know some of the things they've released on the website, including injury reports they've included. And then on uh, Thursday, they released a depth chart. So seeing that shows uh, the XFL is, you know, opening the door to uh, the fans being able to see, you know, who's injured and who's going to start, who's the backup. So I think it's great uh, visibility for the fans to get a better understanding on who could be the potential starters and who's going to be able to grow within those franchises. Yeah, I noticed the app has the ability or it has uh, set up for uh, live summaries of the games. Uh, They're all in there for this weekend, uh, ready to go uh, with stats and uh, and rosters. So I think the XFL is finally caught up to that game of, of what the fans the football fans want of the stats and the rosters. I think they've caught up on that one. Now, the media has really embraced this league more so than anything than anything I would have imagined because I was imagining what happened 19 years ago where the media did not fall in love with the league. But it seems that there's way more media that have fallen in love with the XFL this time around. Does this seem real? Is this real? And will it do you think it'll be long lasting, Anthony? I think so. I mean, the one thing that I've noticed is that in every interview you've been seeing for the last few weeks in terms of talking about what the XFL has been all overlook, his name alone brings credibility to the league. He's done a fantastic job of building this league. I mean, he convinced Bob Stoops to come out of retirement after two, three years and come coach for the league. So he's been able to bring in some key figures into the league to kind of help it uh, grow. So in that aspect, I'm not really surprised. I mean, Oliver Lux has got a, you know, he's a, he's a likable guy. He's very well respected around football circles. He's done some incredible work over the, you know, the, the last couple of decades in terms of what he did with NFL Europe and the work he's did with the Houston Dynamo. Like he's been able to build things from scratch and really help leagues and teams like that um, be able to grow into something bigger. So he, he is the reason, I think, one of the biggest reasons why this league is getting the attention that um, we've been wanting the, the league to get for the last couple of years. Yeah, Luck, no no question about it. Luck was the perfect person to, to head the XFL, the entire football operation. I think it goes without saying that the uh, Disney and Fox have been a huge influence on the media coverage that the XFL has received. Um, They've given credibility to the league overall. And when you have those type of platforms and that those group of partners, you can really uh, hit the market running. And they've done a very good job, uh, Disney and Fox, of supporting the league fully. And I think it, the people who are skeptical about the league, when they see ESPN and Fox um, 
supporting the league and promoting it. And they see all these media personalities coming out and supporting the league. Um, uh, that's been huge. That's been huge for the media coverage going into week one. Yeah, the media has been huge. I'm, I'm really impressed. Obviously, I think it's real. I really believe it's going to be long lasting. And uh, especially with the influence of the major broadcasters that will be broadcasting XFL games, I think that's a game changer. And we're about to see how big a game changer that really is. Now, we're calling this the prediction episode, meaning that I'm going to ask you two knowledgeable gentlemen to predict a number of things. And I have to warn you that the predictions get harder as we go along. So are you ready? Let's do it. Yep, let's do it. All right. The first one. What surprises will we see in the broadcast this weekend? And how innovative will the broadcast be, Anthony? I think some of the big surprises we'll see. I know they want to uh, incorporate a lot of the gambling bet numbers into the broadcast. So I think that's going to be kind of a cool thing, especially for bringing in those people who are avid gamblers to uh, add that to um, the experience. I know the addition of Pat McAfee and what he's going to be possibly doing on the sidelines is going to be uh, fun as well. Really just giving those sideline reporters uh, more freedom to be on the field and interview players as soon as they score touchdowns, maybe get into the headsets of the head coaches and say, hey, what happened on that drive? You know, to kind of tell me what you know, what your thoughts were. So it's going to be very innovative in the term of they've really upped the communication process of this. And it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to hear what the coaches are thinking, you know, during the game. I know it's a lot of what uh, baseball is doing on the Fox coverage where they're usually interviewing managers after the third or fourth inning. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in football. You know, in the XFL, that's not something we see in the in the NFL. So being able to interview players right after they score and being able to talk to those coaches, that's going to be the fun part of those broadcasts. And I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah. And to uh, to follow up on Anthony's point there, you know, he's talking about the access that the reporters are going to have. I think audio is going to be a big part of the XFL broadcast. And I think visually, I think we're going to see some things, even though we just watched the Super Bowl where they were introducing a lot of new graphics packages. I think we're going to see a lot of different and unique camera angles that we haven't seen before in the National Football League. There was an article on the L.A. Times over a year ago where where um, the uh, there was talk of Vince McMahon and the networks were trying to keep uh, their uh, broadcasting innovations a secret. And a lot of that stuff hasn't come out. So I think we're going to see a wrinkle or two that we haven't seen in either during a college broadcast or NFL broadcast. Anthony brought up gambling. That's huge. You know, as far as putting point spreads on on the actual graphics on the screen, as far as putting the over under and the actual announcers actually discussing the point spread during the game is something that has been done like tongue in cheek in the past, like Al Michaels and others. But it's never been front and center where you go into a fourth quarter and talk about uh, Tampa covering the spread against New York or what have you. So I think uh, we're going to get a lot of innovations, and I think we've seen from some of the articles we've read over the last week or so that ABC and ESPN and Fox are treating this as a situation of wanting to do innovative things that they couldn't do with the NFL broadcast. And that's going to be interesting to see. You know, the, the XFL is almost like a playground for them. So they have more control over the situation because they're actually producing the broadcast and Vince McMahon, like him or not, uh, he is certainly is a visionary. And the original XFL, you know, there's a lot you can say negative about that league. But you can also say this with uh, factually, they changed the way the game of football is seen visually and through audio uh, with the original XFL. 
It changed every college football broadcast. It changed every NFL broadcast. So I think um, it's the league is going to be accessible in the presentation, but it's also going to present things that you haven't seen before and uh, going to be and actually a league for the year 2020. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what new changes the uh, broadcast brings. I'm I'm very excited about that myself. Now, you've already mentioned Vince McMahon. That's uh, leads into my next uh, prediction for you guys. And maybe this is a toss-up. But, Mike, do you think we will see Vince McMahon this weekend? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think everybody expects him to show up. I think there are a lot of people, uh, for nostalgia purposes, that would love to see him. Um He'll get mentioned, I'm sure, during the broadcast or prior to or what have you, perhaps, maybe even not. You know, I I'm, I'm going to um, I'll boldly say that he won't he won't be strolling out to the middle of the field and, uh, you know, ruining his throat, screaming at the top of his lungs that this is the <laughs> XFL. So I'm going to kind of agree and kind of disagree with you, Mike. I think he is going to be at one of the games this weekend, but I do agree with you. I don't think he's going to go in the middle of the field and yell out, this is the XFL again. I can, I won't be surprised if they show a shot of him, maybe sitting in one of the, you know, suites with the uh, Oliver Luck and anyone that's with the, the XFL at one of the games. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just, you know, touches on some of the stadiums this weekend, but in terms of being on the field, I don't think he's going to do that. He, he knows that put that's going to put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yeah, and I, you know, I'll agree with you that it's likely that he could be shown. It's a question of the man's schedule, whether or not he's going to be there in D.C. I'm sure he wants to be there. So if he's there, I'm sure they'll show him. But I think it'll be very understated. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with you with that. I, th- I think if they do show him in that way, they will show him with Oliver Luck. I think that's that's probably uh, – that would be my money would go on that. And whether he'll go on the field or not, my thought is that if he – if he does go on the field, he will have to be the center of attention because that's who he is. So he may not go on the field for that matter and leave the, the center of attention to, to other folks that he's hired to, to run this league. Uh, but that I'm actually saying 50-50 whether he goes on the field or not and, and, and does and acts like Vince McMahon. The thing we got to remember too. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys there, but the thing we got to remember too is they they have a tight window. They're trying to complete these games within three hours. So the original XFL boy, if if anybody remembers that, it was about 15 minutes or so before they ever got to the scramble for the ball, right? Replace the coin toss. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know even with having the coin toss in the locker room, I don't know if we'll have walking onto the field or huge player introductions. That might be before the game for the fans in attendance, but I think they want to get it moving as soon as possible because. They do have a three-hour window. That's one of the things that hasn't really been discussed that much is, you know, uh, the fear. And I don't think the XFL fears this, but the fear of one broadcast bleeding into the other, like the opening game between the Dragons and the Defenders going into the Wildcats Roughnecks game going over. Yeah, three hours. yeah. So, yep. so they don't want that, and, and nobody is going to tell Vince McMahon to speed it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, they don't want they want that first game to end before the second game begins. And of course, one the mantra of their league is uh, that it's fast, up-tempo, and that the games are going to finish early and so and, and all that. So with a two-hour, 45-minute time frame or what have you. So any kind of, like, extra stuff, either at the beginning of the game or halftime, could, like, draw, draw out the, the, um, the telecast itself. So um, we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, I, I, I would also say, just going back on Vince McMahon coming on the field, I think if he ends up doing that, I think it just destroys two years of work that Oliver Luck has been putting into in terms of trying to add the credibility back into this league. Because that's all anybody remembers is Vince McMahon and his antics and, and introducing WWE stuff into the um, XFL broadcast. And I know they've kept saying every time they're asked, they're not going to include any WWE stuff. So if he just goes on there, I think it destroys everything that they've been working on and i think they're going to lose a lot of fans out of it so he it, it would be best for him to just kind of stay quiet and just enjoy the ride of the first weekend the thing of it all is the entire league exists because of its expand it's his money that he's putting in so you got thousands of employees in the xfl that are getting a chance to be part of a pro football league because of vince but if anybody deserves to walk out in the middle of the field it's oliver luck so yes um, yeah, so if I, I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think he's got the vocal range of Vince. But if anybody's going to be out there in the middle of the field and is going, is going to say those uh, words, immortal words, this is the XFL. It should be Oliver and no one else. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I'd like to point out something that maybe we haven't thought of. The XFL doesn't have that motto. This is the XFL anymore it has a different motto which is for the love of football somebody's liable to come out on the field and say for the love of football than anything else that's my opinion now let's move on this is going to anthony first which rule change is going to make most people say wow and which rule change is going to make most people say what so i think the wow factor is really should be how they're doing the kickoff I think that's good. I think that has been my favorite rule just because it adds a combination of um, protecting the players and adding safety, but also at the same time, adding the importance of that kickoff, because that's something that the NFL has been missing for the last couple of years after they made those um, changes to uh, the kickoff, where now essentially you barely, you rarely see a kickoff on an, in an NFL game. So the the way they've been able to kind of put that together while having them at the 30 and 35 yard line and not moving until the returner catches it, I think that's going to add a, a wow factor because special team plays are usually the most exciting plays in the game. So I think that's going to really add in some excitement. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's for me the kickoff is almost like can, can is there a word for wow and what? Um, I think mm-hmm. there are going to be some people that see it and go, what the hell is that? Like, why are these guys lined up at the thirty and thirty-five of the opposing team, and why are these referees putting their hands down? It's going to confuse some traditionalists out there. But I think, like you mentioned, Anthony Miller, the, the kickoff has been brought back, you know, in the XFL and the kickoff return. And what's the most important part of it is the safety. What a lot of people don't realize is the XFL, when they did their testing on the kickoff, they actually tested the uh, NFL kickoffs with a stopwatch to see where the coverage team is when the returner catches the ball. And where did it, where did these, uh, what did the test show them? The test showed them that the coverage teams were actually at the exact point where the XFL kickoff coverage teams are going to be lined up. So the point of the point of the rule itself is to eliminate the speed and velocity of coverage players running downfield, which they're usually running at a, 40 mile per hour, 50 mile per hour uh, plus pace. And that's where you get those velocity with those dangerous collisions and all that. So I think there's going to be some fans who see that alignment and go, what's going, what's going on here? What do we, you know, for those who are not familiar with what, like you and I are of, you know, the rule and how it's been tested and all that, I think that's, but I agree. It does have a wow factor because you're going to actually see the kick return, make a return um, for lack of a better term. So I think that's a pretty cool feature. I'm in favor of it from the safety aspect and from the excitement aspect. 
Yeah, I, I agree that the kickoff will be wow and what. <laughs> yeah. Both. Uh, let's start running down some of the games this weekend, okay? So we'll make predictions on the games. The first game, uh, which is the first XFL game, uh, is on Saturday at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It's Seattle at the D.C. Defenders. You know, this is going to be an interesting one because I think a lot of the home teams in the XFL have a little bit more pressure on them than the road teams do. I think D.C. at the moment is installed as like a touchdown favorite. The the Dragons have been one of the teams right now uh, through the odds makers that have been given the longest odds of being a winning team, being a championship team in the XFL. So I think there's not a lot of pressure on them. I think there's a lot more pressure on D.C. in front of that home crowd, that great stadium in Audi Field, for them to 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 go out and win the game. I On paper, if you look at D.C.'s offense, you look at Cardell Jones, you look at the, uh, the stable of running backs they have, the receivers, and Pep Hamilton, who's a proven play caller. And you see Brandon Silvers on the other side, who has a smaller body of work, although it was a good one in the alliance. Um, and you kind of figure that D.C. is going to win this game. You would you would favor them to win it. But I think the Dragons are coming in kind of playing with house money. If they were somehow able to spoil the defender's home debut, um, they really go home with an enthusiastic Dragons crowd in Seattle. Yeah, I think this game really comes down to defense because you look at Seattle. Uh, I think they have probably the best depth at running back in the in the XFL and I think the D.C. defenders probably have the best passing game in the XFL in terms of Cardell Jones and Rashard Ross and all the talent they have at receiver. So really, it's going to come down to defense. Which defense is better? Personally, I feel like D.C. is probably a little more stacked defensively than Seattle. So I would probably give the edge to D.C. And I wouldn't be surprised if Cardell Jones has a big game because I I personally don't have the most confidence in Seattle's secondary and I think Cardell Jones could be in for a really big day just because he's got such a deep receiving core. So my pick would be D.C. to win that game. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think one of the hidden factors, though, is D.C.'s defense. They recently lost defensive coordinator Jeffrey Fitzgerald and pretty late in the process, too. So sometimes that usually affects defensive units. I mean, we're talking about new teams here that are trying to iron out the kinks to begin with. So uh, D.C.'s offense, in my opinion, is going to be way ahead of their defense to start off the season. And a D.C. would be my pick uh, to win in week one. But uh, I, th- I think Seattle's coming in with a lot of motivation. I have to go with D.C. Uh, one, one reason is they're the home team. So I'll, I'd like to think that gives them a little bit of an edge. Now, the next game uh, that day on Fox is L.A. at Houston. Yeah, L.A.'s coming into this, you know, with a lot of question marks right now. Um, Right now, it's it doesn't look like Josh Johnson is going to be able to suit up. He could be a game time decision. Um, they've been alternating quarterbacks in practice between Chad Canoff and Jalen McClendon. Usually, that's not a great recipe for getting off to a great start. Uh, obviously, they're on the road, as you mentioned, there in Houston. So, and the Roughnecks, you know, they just announced a couple days ago their starting quarterback in PJ Walker. And I think this is going to be a tough game for LA to pull off. I would pick Houston. I would pick Houston as one only because of the uncertainty with uh, Los Angeles, uh, the Wildcat situation at quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to apologize on behalf of for all the L.A. Wildcat fans where I'm going to say this. 
I think of any game, this one may have the the opportunity to be a big blowout. I just don't believe in LA's offense right now. If Josh Johnson was playing, maybe it'd be different, but you know, I just don't think they have the strongest running game. I don't know about the receiving core after they, you know, traded away Rashard Ross. I'm just not a big fan of this offense. And with Houston, I mean, June Jones, he's going to be throwing it like time and time again. And I think PJ Walker has got a really great opportunity here to put up some big numbers on opening weekend. So I would not be surprised if Houston just slings it on them all night. So I, I think this will be the one game where I think it could be a double digit win. So I would go Houston. Yeah, I got to agree. Uh, Houston for sure. Um, and I hate to say that about, uh, uh, for LA's, uh, uh, chances in this one uh, is not as probably not as good as it as it could be and uh, hopefully that not hopefully the rest of their opponents this season are not as are not going to be as hard as Houston for them now on Sunday uh, 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox Tampa Bay at New York Anthony so this one's interesting because I think Tampa Bay has um, a great running game I, I love Devon Smith I think he's one of the the best backs in this league, I think he's got great ability. Um, but for New York, I just I'm a big fan of their receiving core, even though they've taken some hits you know, with injury. I think Mikhail McKay is one of the top five receivers in this league. I still believe in Matt McGoin being a really good quarterback for the Guardians. I, I, I'm sure you can speak more to how the Guardians look, Mike. But uh, I think to me on paper, it could end up being a closer game than people expect. I, I, I know I haven't been very high on Tampa Bay this year, but I do feel like this opening game could be um, interesting for them. I would probably give the slight advantage to New York just because they're the home team. But also, I just think their offense, their, in particular, their passing game is just better than what Tampa has. Yeah, you know, I agree with those points. You know, I'm a huge fan of Mark Tressman. Um, I know he's a polarizing figure. Uh, so some people, especially if you're a Chicago Bears fan. But um, it's hard to bet against him, and especially in this type of league where you're going to have fast-paced, up-tempo offense. And I think the odds makers are, are very high on Tampa and their talent level. So as you can see by them favoring Tampa on the road, they're the only road team that's favored to win uh, this coming weekend. So I, I, I think it's going to – I'm not a huge believer in Aaron Murray. So if, uh, if Mark Tressman can get it out of him, I think Tampa can pull the upset. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to pick the Vipers to win this game. On Sunday, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. There's gonna be a road team that travels and wins. And if I had to pick one, it's gonna be the Vipers. Interesting that Mike did not pick the Guardians. <laughs> but that's a tough one. The old adage is that you're not supposed to, if you're calling a game or working a game, you're not really supposed to pick. But it's 2020, so yeah. Um, yeah. So um, so anyway, that's <laughs> that's how that goes. But I think the guard. I think the Guardians could win the game. I almost see it as a toss up. Now, the weather, we didn't mention that. The weather in D.C. and New York looks like it's going to be decent. So, um, uh, you know, 40 degrees or so. So there's not any elements in place, nor otherwise. I think both teams are closely matched. Um, I think the Guardians can win. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict the Vipers pull uh, what I think in my mind is an upset. The odds makers do not think they, – they think the Vipers are the actual favorite in this game. So, But I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling for a road team to win here. I hate to do it to the Guardians, but it's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, my concern with the Vipers is I just don't think they have the receiving core to get it done. I mean, they've just taken a bunch of hits with Antonio Callaway getting hurt, and then Stacey Cooley, uh, you know, he's not 
um, with the team right now. So I, I just don't, I just think with this offense, they're really going to have to rely on Devon Smith to run the football. They're going to have to rely on their running game, which is good, but I, I just don't know if the Vipers can put up enough points to keep up with the guardians. That's my only concern. Yeah. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why odds makers favor Tampa is because of their talent on their offensive line. They might, they may very well have the best offensive line in the entire league. And then, of course, they have Tressman there. They have Jerry Glanville, who's who's uh, coordinating the defense there. So, yeah, I agree with you. The wide receivers, there's a lot of unknowns, minus Truesdale, obviously, who's the best mm-hmm. tight end in the league. There's a lot of unknowns with the team, but that's the thing with Mark Tressman. He did this in the CFL as well. There were a lot of players in his stint up there that emerged that people were unaware of or uh, didn't know about that fit his system perfectly like a glove. So, as much like I said, as much as it pains me to say it, um, um, I'm I'm calling I'm calling for the upset here. I think the Vipers are going to win the game. Yeah, you know what? With uh, Tressman, nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen with Tressman because the Tressman I know is a winner and he's also uh, not a winner. Uh, in other words, he has had uh, as much defeat as he has had success. So it depends right. which Mark which Mark Tressman will show up hmm. here. Now, as for as for this weekend, I'm going to go with the Guardians. And because they're the home team uh, on also on Sunday, the last game of the weekend at 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, uh, St. Louis Battlehawks at the Dallas Renegades. Mike, you know, I think that this is another case where you take the home team and you take them because the Renegades are the most talented team in the entire league, top to bottom. They've been constructed so well. And I'm even I'm taking them with knowing full well that Landry Jones may not be playing this coming Sunday. I think the Battle Hawks are in a, they're a lot like the Dragons. A lot of people expect them to lose uh, in week one. So they have a lot of motivation to prove people wrong. And Jordan Tayamo is certainly very talented. I just think Dallas at home with that roster, with Bob Stoops and all that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Renegades to win that game. It, it might not be close. I'm hoping it is a close game, but it might not be close. All right, Dallas Renegade fans, cover your ears. I'm taking the Battle Hawks. I think I think the offense for Dallas is just too banged up. Lance Dunbar doesn't seem like he's going to be playing. He's not even on the depth chart. I don't know if Landry Jones is going to play or not. I have concerns about that, even though I, I'm a full believer in Philip Nelson. And I think everyone knows how highly I speak of him. I'm still a big believer in him, but they're also not probably not going to have Jazz Ferguson, who's dealing with that hand injury. I think that's a concern as well, even though I really like the, the Renegades receiving core. I really like the Battle Hawks defense. Um, when I saw them in training camp against Dallas, that secondary did a bang up job on that receiving core. I, I think they did a great job in coverage. I love the safety position with the Battle Hawks with Kenny Robinson and Will Hill. I think there's a lot of talent on the te- uh, defense. Uh, Terrence Garvin was a huge factor with the Orlando Apollos last year in the Alliance. I just have a gut feeling that the Renegades are going to get off to a slow start in this game, and I don't know if they're going to be able to recover. So I'm actually going to take the upset. I'm going to go Battle Hawks with the win, even though I have very high expectations for Dallas. Wow, you know, you almost convinced me there, Anthony. You were, <laughs> that was a pretty good, that was a pretty good sell job. There's no question the Renegades are, are banged up. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Call me crazy, but I, it's hard for me to bet against Big Game Bob and Hal Mummy. Now they might be doing it with what looks to be a depleted group. But um, I'm curious about Jordan Tayamo making his first ever start as a pro quarterback on the road in that environment. Um, will he hold up? That's the thing. He's talented. There's no question about it. He was second in the SEC in passing behind only Tua from Alabama. So, um, 
and and he's certainly a very talented quarterback playing in Chuck Long's offense there, which Chuck Long has also not been coordinating that offense for very long because obviously Robert uh, Meacham left. Doug Meacham left for um, TCU. So, um, yeah, I, you, you almost sold me there, Anthony. There's no question about it, but I, I, it's hard to bet against big game Bob. I think Jordan Tamu is going to be doing a lot of running because between Frank Alexander and Winston Craig on the, you know, outside of the defensive line, I think he's going to be running quite a bit, but I think that's going to end up being an advantage for him. I think he's a great athlete and I think he's going to be able to make some plays for St. Louis. And I think that running game for the Battle Hawks is really good, too. But if you would ask me next week when the Dallas running games are healthier, I would say this would be a double digit win for Dallas. But I've just I just have a gut feeling something uh, scary is going to happen this weekend with them. Well, we're not going to hold you guys to these to these uh, predictions. I can tell you that. And my feeling for the St. Louis Battlehawks Dallas game is I'm going to I'm going to edge with the Dallas. Uh, now the predictions get harder, as if you didn't think they were hard enough already. <laughs> uh, okay, so the next one: Which team do you think will have the best attendance this weekend, and which will be the worst, Anthony? Oh, that's a good one. I, I would say probably Dallas. And I might be a little biased just because I've been to a lot of their fan events and I've seen how it is. The fan event last week with the meet and greet at Globe Park was massive. I was totally stunned by how many fans were out there. I literally had to wait 15, 20 minutes just to walk into the park. The line was so long outside the park. So I think the the excitement of this team is definitely growing, and I think a lot of it because it is the frustration of being Cowboy fans and how that se- how that season went for them. And I think they're excited for you know to see Bob Stoops and to see Landry Jones. There's a ton of excitement around this team. So I think the fact that those guys are going to be involved in this, I I would suspect that I think Dallas will be pretty packed. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. And, you know, I've been a proponent of both Texas teams being in the XFL when those locations were announced, both Dallas and Houston. And Texas has a history of this. No matter what event it is, they have a walk-up business. And I think one of the benefits that Dallas has is the games on Saturday are going to be a, like kind of advertisement to come on down Sunday. And so I think that's that's going to help. And like, you, like Anthony saw there with the fan get-together, uh, a lot of people showed up. So and and uh, like out of the blue, like almost out of the blue. So I mean, um, so I think that's I think Dallas now and by sheer numbers, Houston has a larger stadium, uh, so they they could contend for that. And uh, DC's got a great stadium there too, but it's kind of a little bit smaller than Houston. So I'm going with Dallas. I think Saturday's games. I think people in Dallas and Texas that watch Saturday's games on the XFL are going to go, hey, let's go tomorrow. So Dallas the best. Which is the worst? Wow, that's really tough. I'm gonna go with New York. Um, I think it's going to take a while for some of these fan bases and for some of these markets to catch on. Um, a lot of uh, New York, uh, I don't know, I don't want to get into numbers, but obviously they're in a large stadium there at MetLife. They closed up the upper bowls. They've made a great effort to get the word out about the game this coming Sunday. The weather is playing into their favor thus far. We'll see what happens on that front. But if you're going to ask me out of all the stadiums, because Dallas's stadium is smaller, because DC's Stadium is smaller. Houston's is kind of mid-range. I think um, I think New York is going to have the smallest crowd out there. I agree with Mike. I think it's probably going to be New York. That's the I, I think MedLife. Even even I thought from the beginning, I thought that might have been too big of a stadium for them. Even though that's a great uh, place to watch a football game, but that's that stadium is too big. And uh, I, I think with 
Tampa coming into it, I don't know if they're the most attractive XFL team to come on an opening weekend. So I, I think because of that, um, I agree with Mike. I think it could take a while for the Guardians to kind of build a following in New York because uh, New York and L.A. were the two teams I was kind of concerned about with getting followings. So I, I would probably say New York as well. All right. So New York, the unanimous between you two guys, New York. Uh, will be uh, the lowest in attendance. My thought was L.A., and I don't think that L.A. is going to do much better than New York or much more, or they're going to be in that range as well. That's my thought anyways. Now, let's talk about broadcast. There's four games this weekend, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, uh, one on ABC, two on Fox, and one on ESPN. Which broadcast will get the most viewers? And I'm going to throw this at Mike. Wow, that's a very good point. Well, uh, I would say the first one. I would say the Defenders and the Dragons, only because it's on big network ABC, and it's going to get the curiosity factor. So um, there's going to be a lot of people that tune in to the the start of the game to see what the XFL is all about. Even people that are against the league are going to check it out. So in terms of overall viewership, I'll say the ABC game. If the game turns out great and is super competitive, that will be a great lead into the 5 p.m. game, which is on Fox. So because that's in a later time frame, the Fox Saturday doubleheader game could score a bigger rating. But I'm going to say the ABC, the opener, is going to be the highest rated game of the weekend. 100% agree with Mike again. I, I think when you think about the last XFL, those ratings, what was it, over 50 million people watched the yeah. first XFL game on NBC? It's probably – I don't know if they're going to hit those numbers because it, it may not be the same. But I think big numbers will definitely be hit with Seattle and D.C. because D.C. is a very attractive – team just because of Cardell Jones. He's a big he's the he's the star of this league. I mean, he's the face of this league. So, he that him himself is going to be able to attract fans. I think Jim Zorn's name is going to attract people to watch uh, the game as well. So, uh, that's probably the most appealing game of the weekend and to lead off with that is, is huge. So, I expect that one to be the highest rated one. I I think I agree with you, uh, although I'm not sure because it is on a Saturday afternoon, uh, maybe the Saturday evening game will, uh, the game at 5 p.m. Eastern, it might, I think it might actually eclipse the first one, but I'm not sure. People will uh, try to compare the uh, the ratings of the XFL to the ratings uh, that the AAF, the Alliance, uh, achieves. And I wonder if anyone's going to try to do that. And it would not be fair to do that, by the way, as it's my thought on it. But people are going to, I think people will compare it. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that's going to happen, Mark. I think um, I think one thing people have to keep in mind, though, is like uh, this is a different than uh, 2001 in terms of the television ratings landscape. Anthony mentioned a little while ago about 54 million viewers turning into NBC for the original XFL Outlaws Hitman game. Um, so I think uh, there's so many different viewing options now in the year 2020 that I also think that where, where the XFL is positioned on the TV calendar, as you mentioned, Mark, is a little bit different than say, being in prime time. There's uh, the expectations are not as high because you're in the afternoon. And so whether or not they match, I guess it, the Alliance's numbers last uh, year was what, like 3.2 million viewers thereabouts in that range. Mm -hmm. So and that was in prime time in, on, on CBS. I, I think the XFL can come close, um, even even with them being at two o'clock and 5 p.m. Yeah, I, I think the game is going to have higher ratings than the first Alliance game because simply I, I just feel like there's been more marketing done. I think they've done a better job of putting the product out there and, you know, marketing it and campaigning it. We've I, I feel like I've seen more with XFL stuff than I've 
I have with the Alliance. I'll be honest, I barely knew about the Alliance until a month or two before it happened because I just don't feel like they did a great job marketing it. So I, I, I would not be surprised if the first XFL game hits about you know five, six million viewers. I think it's going to do better than what the Alliance did in their first that game. Would, that would be tremendous, and I, get, and I think I agree with you on that one, Anthony. If they do anything in that neighborhood, I don't know if they'll be able to keep that up on a weekly basis, but if they do, because there have been a lot of uh, sports TV ratings experts that predict that the XFL will be picked up for a year or two and a year three if they just average a million viewers per broadcast. So if they get anywhere near four or five million on, uh, in the afternoon, uh, that's that would be a huge success for the league. And I agree with you, Anthony. I think they will do better than the Alliance, even though the Alliance was on CBS uh, in prime time. I think they're definitely going to do better than the Alliance because the Alliance may have been on CBS in prime time, but a lot of their games were not uh, available. Uh, whereas the XFL games are far more available all through the season, like throughout the entire season. And uh, they're going to, I think they're going to have, uh, a, well, the first week they're going to have very respectable uh, ratings. But then, of course, the proof will be in the pudding and uh, will they trail off? Now, um, let's talk about the players now. Who do you think will be the top quarterback in this league, Anthony? Cardell Jones. I have no doubt about it. I think he's got one of the best receiving cores in the league. I think he comes in with the most upside. I think he's got a great arm. I like, you know, I just love the way he plays. I feel like he can be an effective backup quarterback in the NFL. And I think with the work he's going to do here, it might even be enough to get him back on an NFL roster to maybe compete for a starting job. I think he's probably got the most upside. He's got the biggest name. I I think with the type with the offense that he has, I would put my trust in Cardell Jones to be the top quarterback. There's not really too much to add because I'm in full agreement with Anthony on that. I think I think um, I'm a huge fan of Cardell Jones. I love the redemption story to begin with. And if he proves himself to be a viable starting pro quarterback, he's going to be back on an NFL roster next year. And I think that's his goal ultimately at the end of the day. So he's in the perfect offense with Pep Hamilton, with the talent, as we mentioned. So you know, I guess a runner-up, if I had to choose someone else, I would say Landry Jones with uh, Hal Mummy in Dallas. If he gets back healthy, I think he can put put up big numbers in that offense. Yeah, Cardell Jones is going to uh, definitely put on a show, and I hope he stays healthy, and I hope he has the offensive line to let him do what he needs to do. The next question. Top quarterback, Cardell Jones from the D.C. Defenders. Who do you think will be the top receiver, Mike? Ooh, that's a tough one. There's so many. There's so many wide receivers that I like in the league. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mikael McKay um, for the Guardians. I think him and McGloin are gonna have a great connection. Uh, Rashad Ross is a big play receiver, so he's gonna have a lot of sizzle plays for sure. But they have such a well-rounded receiving group that he may not be the only guy who gets featured on a weekly basis. Eli Rogers is a heck of a receiver as well. Um, Jeff Bedette is somebody that um, that I really like for Dallas. He has four two seven speed. I think in how Mummy's offense, he's going to be catching a lot of crossers and taking it to the house. Um, he's a fantastic talent there. So if I, if I had to pick somebody to be the best receiver in the league, I would go with McKay in New York. I think he's going to fill the role of uh, Hakeem Nick slash Plaxico Burris uh, in Kevin Gilbride's offense in New York. I'm going to go with Sammy Coates. I think he's in the perfect offense being in Houston, where June Jones always going to be doing is – telling P.J. Walker to just sling it around. I think he's got great size for a receiver. I think he's tall. I think he can uh, go up there and make a great catch. He's probably got one of the most um, NFL experiences out of all the uh, receivers in the league. 
I think he, you know, he's worked with Ben Roethlisberger, so there's a lot to be said about that. I think he's got great talent, and I think he's in the perfect offense, so I would go Sammy Coates. Good pick. Yeah, good pick. I, I like all your picks, by the way. Uh, well, let's go to running back, top running back in the league, Anthony. Uh, I love Jaquan Gardner, uh, and that's just me being a, an Alliance homer there because he, I thought he showed a lot of great stuff when he was – you know, playing for the San Diego fleet. Um, I, I, the, the only issue I have with him is that he's in such a deep running back rotation that they have there in Seattle, but this guy has got big play, uh, you know, opportunity. You know, I think at, you know, when he got hurt in San Diego, I think that kind of derailed the rest of his season, but I feel like this dude's got big play potential. He reminds me so much of Maurice Jones Drew. They they just got the same size. They're big, you know, big small guys who can, you know, go right up the middle and, you know, maybe they won't be found, but they're gonna be just trucking people over and make big play after big play. So uh, I, I love Jaquan Gardner. I still believe that he's gonna do good stuff, so I'll go Gardner. Uh, Gardner Gardner's my favorite running back in the league. The guy, but he's in a situation behind uh, team captain Kenneth Barrow and and working with Trey Williams in that offense where I'm hoping that he gets a lot of touches and opportunities. He's a big play threat for sure. But I think the running back that uh, I think will lead the league in rushing is Jarrell Presley in D.C. Um, A lot of people are unaware of his talents and ability, and I think you're going to see it come out in D.C. He's a big, strong runner, can run people over, can run around them, and I think he's going to be featured heavily in that backfield, even with Donnell Pumphrey there, who's going to be more of a change of pace. So, you know, it's a tough call between someone like Cameron Artis Payne or Jarrell Presley, but um, I'm going with Presley. I think he's they're not going to see a lot of eight man fronts because of Cardell and everyone else there. So I think Presley's going to be the most productive running back in the XFL. Well, good prediction so far. Now, uh, let's go on. Let's move on to the one of the biggest predictions. Which team has the chance to win it all? Mike, I'm picking the Renegades. You know, um, I think um, I think the Renegades and the Defenders will play in the championship, and then I, they can go either way when it's a one-game situation there. So, But overall, I think the best team in the league is Dallas. So I'm sticking with that prediction there. So, Yeah, I'm pretty much on point with Mike 100%. Um, I think it's going to be D.C. Defenders against the Renegades. Uh, yeah, the Renegades up and down just have the most talent um, around. They have so much speed on offense. It's going to be hard to guard their receivers. I love their defense, especially Darren Smith in the in the secondary. I think he's going to be one of the best safeties in the league. I, I just think up and down, th- there's just so much talent in that team that it's going to be hard to compete with, and especially having Bob Stoops as a head coach. I mean, him and Hal Mummy and Chris Woods, the, done, the job that they've done with building that team has been absolutely incredible. So I, I, I would go Renegades also for the championship. Part of me thinks the Houston Roughnecks have a decent chance, but I really want – to pick the Renegades as well. I really think the Renegades are the, they have the best chance to win it all. Uh, so I, I think, I think it's a three-way decision on the Renegades in this case. Hopefully we're right because uh, I hope so too. Uh, I'm not going to run out and put any money on it, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I personally, <laughs> I personally think that it's going to be Renegades and the defenders. Now we don't know about injuries and all that stuff. And I, I think the defenders could win that game. But if you ask me like who the favorite is, I would say definitely Dallas. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. So that was the question. In fact, that was the question, and the answer is the Dallas Renegades. But I do remember once back uh, a few weeks, and I was talking to you, Mike, and one of the things you said was that there is a lot of parity built into this league in the way they picked the teams and the way the coaches were chosen. 
and the quarterbacks and the teams, the, t- with the way the teams were, uh, the players were uh, allocated. So there's a chance for a surprise for the champion because of the parity in the league. It still could, uh, the championship could still go to anybody. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this in a, in a recent article that I wrote that um, the way the XFL scheduled is they've actually set up a comeback period for all eight XFL teams. The last three weeks of the season, everyone is playing divisional opponents. So you could go into the final three weeks of the season at two and five and run the table and make the playoffs as a result. A lot will be left undecided until the final three weeks of the regular season. So I, it wouldn't, it's not out of the realm of possibility that a team could make the playoffs at five and five and make a run. It's happened before in these types of leagues. So um, I definitely think it's going to be closely contested. I think the Eastern division is going to be very closely contested. Uh, it's going to be a tight battle to make the playoffs. And I think that'll come down to the final three weeks of the season there. So it should be fun. It should make for, it should, it should give teams the opportunity to come back and still make a run. The interesting part of the schedule too, is that in the la- in those last couple of weeks, the renegades are playing on Thursday night on both weeks. So I don't know how much effect it's going to have on them. I think it could be tough in week nine where they're going to be on a short week against Houston and they're going to be on the road. And then, you know, you look at that the week after they're going to be at home, but they'll have a full week, but LA is going to be on a short week. So I think those two games are really going to determine what type, what type of team we're going to see out of Dallas. So that's been the one thing that I've been kind of focused on is how are they going to handle those Thursday night games when they're on a short week? Well, all will be revealed 12 weeks from now when the season uh, ends uh, or the championship occurs in 12 weeks from now. Now, the bigger question after 12 weeks from now, when the season is over, will there be a year two? Yes, there's no way Vince McMahon is going to let this fail again. I mean, I think he's got too much pride. He saw what happened with the the first year. I mean, how how if you watch that documentary, how much Dick Embersol had to really just convince him this is not going to work. It's not going to work. This time around, I just don't see anyone getting into Vince McMahon's ear and telling him that, that this is not going to work. He's going to push for a second year. I think he's he's figured out financially how much he needs to at least push for two to three years. So for me, even if it turns out to be an up and down season for the XFL, I think Vince McMahon is behind this league 100 percent. So um, I think there's definitely going to be a second season. Is there going to be a third season? I don't know. But, you know, if, if I had to predict a second season, I absolutely think because so, Vince McMahon's not going to let this fail again. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Anthony on that. The only like uh, unknown factor at the moment, although it's been reported out there that the the agreements between the networks and uh, the XFL are multi-year. But I worry a little bit sometimes about and the network's patience with the league because um, their expectation level shouldn't be that this league is going to be an immediate smashing success. We all hope that it is. But you have to expect with the first-year league a lot of hiccups. There'll be moments when the attendance isn't that great, where the ratings go down. There, there'll be moments of doubt that the alliance went through, a lot of criticism of how their games looked on TV and all that. So if the, the XFL's just got to survive through the first year, and I think Vince McMahon, uh, this to me is a bucket list thing for Vince McMahon. He's accomplished a lot in his life. I think before he leaves this earth, he wants to make sure that, um, that he gives this one great last attempt. Oh, I definitely think year two is, a, uh, is guaranteed. I would like to say it's guaranteed. And my thought on the XFL, uh, somebody was asking me about it the other day, whether I thought it would succeed. And I said, 
I think it will succeed as long as Vince McMahon is healthy. Now, I think that's the only thing that's going to stop the XFL from going forward is if Vince McMahon is with us. And I'm not wishing uh, anything bad. I'm just saying that would be the only thing that would cause him to stop the XFL. He is determined to make this happen. Yeah, there's no question he is determined. Like I said, this is what this is what he wants. There's nothing else really left. He's already built a billion-dollar empire, although he's going through some struggles right now with it. He's still a billionaire, and he's already accomplished everything. He's got his company is in good hands with his family, so he's looking to make the XFL work. This is something that he wanted to do. He did not. Here's the key, here's the key. He did not want to end the ex the original XFL. NBC no. NBC yep. NBC pulled out. NBC owed the league fifty million dollars and they pulled out. And UPN and TNN, which were the two remaining networks, they ran a power play against Vince McMahon and they leveraged his own company WWF at the time against him. So he had to make a choice, the choice that he didn't want to make. And even during that documentary that Anthony brought up a few minutes ago, the 30 for 30 there, uh, the NBC, the Ebersols admitted that Vince McMahon had the legal right to challenge them for the $50 million they contractually owed, but he decided not to pursue that out of his friendship for Dick Ebersol. So um, he's been holding on to this for forever. That he's, you know, that This has been something that he's wanted to do for uh, the longest time, for nearly two decades, to, to give this another go. And... I don't think a spring pro football league has ever been positioned this well to succeed. Whether or not it does, that remains to be seen. I know there's probably a lot of people snicker that all three of us are saying we're guaranteeing a year two um, after what has transpired with the Alliance and other leagues before it. But um, I definitely think that this league's going to be around because of the way it's set up and because of its owner. Yeah, and no matter what happens, if this league gets to a second season, it's already a massive success. Like it's already been successful that them – most of the spring leagues we have had. And I think the way the XFL is set up, I think this is probably the best spring football league that has been created since the USFL. Just the way everything's been structured and how they've been able to set everything up. If they get to a year two, there there's nothing anybody can tell me that says this has not been a success because a, a year two would be more successful than any of these other spring football leagues have done. Well, thank you for your predictions, Anthony and Mike. I predict that at least... 50% of your predictions will come true. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm, you know, kind of a weaselly way to, to put it. You know, I'm not going one way or the other. But that's the nature of predictions because we get to now see whether we were right or not. I'd like to thank you for coming out today, uh, Anthony and Mike, and, and joining me for this special prediction episode of XFL Extra. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. And I know what you guys will be doing this weekend. Yeah, just like me, you'll be watching XFL. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, that my whole schedule is cleared for XFL. Thanks again to my guests, Anthony Miller and Mike Mitchell. I'd like to point out that this 23rd episode is the last episode where we will use the theme music, Are You Ready? The next time you hear from me, the league will be underway and we will have brand new theme music. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. <laughs>